Hi, and welcome to episode 322 of No Crying in Baseball, the I've probably had way more fun than you're supposed to <laughs> episode. My name is Patty. I'm with, here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, no such thing. No such thing than of more fun than you're supposed to, right? We just finished the regular season. Yeah. Wow. Actually, that that feels really sad. Well, to me especially because I have no postseason. So I mean, I guess I have plenty of postseason. It's there's just not room on the, the bandwagon. I'm just saying, yeah. there's room on the bandwagon. And speaking for um, all the Orioles fans out there, we would welcome you to join us for the postseason. Yeah, you know, I picture like one of those like trailer. You know, there's the biker with the like trailer thing in the back. Like I, I feel like I'm on that kind of wagon. Like I'm gonna hang on into the little trailer for a while and then. I'll be thrown off somewhere. We we won't but. throw you off. You will have to voluntarily leave. You you are you are welcome to stay as long as you'd like. Remember, it, we're nice here in Baltimore. Yeah, everybody is very nice, and and we did find that out um, close up and in person yesterday because we were at Camden Yards watching the Red Sox lose to the Orioles again. Actually, I, f- I figured out that my um my what do you call it my record Your for record? this season is uh, <laughs> two and three. So we, my first two games that I watched the Red Sox play, one in Camden Yards mm-hmm. and then at Fenway that they won. And so things were going well. And then I watched them lose twice <laughs> at Nat Stadium and then watched them lose yesterday with 41,000. Just a lot of people. Oh, and so my I just. Favorite Orioles fans? Yes. I, that was, it was a sellout crowd. Um, I want to thank Potty Mouth and Mr. Potty Mouth for being such good sports because <laughs> you came with me. And even though you thought it might not turn out your way and you yeah. stuck through it, and I know it wasn't like the best feeling for you, but you were there for me and I appreciate you. And it was um, the sixth sold out crowd at Orioles Park this year. It turns out I was at three of those games, wow. which makes me happy. And I think That's you might awesome. have been at two of them. And so this is pretty good. Yeah. And it was really fun to see the yard rocking after so many oh, yeah. year, years of disappointment. So happy yeah. about that. A lot of good things happened with Gunnar, but I'll save those things to talk about once he's named Rookie of the Year, um, knocking on you know all the wooden things. But even the the Red Sox announcers today were referring to him that way. So I got I got to feel oh, yeah. like it. So I think it's I a think thing. It's a done deal. Um, but I just yeah. wanted to give a, a shout out to our our, our um, friends at Checker Spot Brewing Company for yes. the pregame. So like you were talking about very nice of me to come to the game. Well, you know what made it really lovely and actually enjoyable was our pregaming at Checker Spot. They have great beer. They You've got to check out, I think we put it on Instagram or Twitter, or maybe both, or not Twitter, X, whatever the fuck it is. But, you know, check out our pictures. It's just a lovely place to hang out and have a beer or two or more. Yeah, they moved to a new location, and uh, we weren't sure it was going to still be as a great a place to mm. pregame. And it turns out it's even a better place oh, to yeah. pregame because the space is gorgeous and it's the exact same distance to the ballpark, and we'll be there hopefully as much as we are allowed to next season. Or even in the off season, they have ski ball. They have ski ball. They have ski ball. So it's we, our competitive natures yeah. will come out in other ways. There we go. All right. Let's see. What else is going on? Oh, so um, I just wanted to, to it, as a as an intro piece that the, we've talked about the hapless Mets being hapless, but they are so hapless that our kids even can't even manage to get to their game. So I feel terrible, especially for um, Junior Potty Mouth because uh, he was invited to see the Mets game with us over graduation weekend, first of all, and it was rained out. And so then I gave the tickets to Potty Mouth Jr. to invite Junior Potty Mouth down to see the Mets. So they tried to do that this past Friday when New York City was basically underwater. And your kid almost got um, stranded at, (laughs) at Yankee Stadium, which is just awful. 
Yeah, yeah, train. being forced to go to Yankee Stadium, it should yeah. be, it's, it's a crime, it's a crime. Yeah, and, and so we did successfully see the Syracuse Mets together, but that was sort of like by the skin of our teeth mm-hmm. and your kid coming to the rescue to pick up the other kid because there were train track issues. So I just feel like the Mets... Oh my God! Like what? what we're is trying. This? We're trying to go right. to your games, and you're not <laughs> so letting much. us. What more can we possibly do? So much, so much. Um, my last interview. Uh, interview. In uh, yeah, I'm. I'm almost. This is a lovely beer, by the way. And it's, it's not a beer. It's, it's a, a cider. A beer, it's a cider. Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's the maple bourbon barrel aged oh, cider boy. from 1911, which is right. my new favorite cider, and it tastes like fall. It does. It really. It tastes like having a, a fireplace and a good book and a cozy blanket, and it's gonna get us through this podcast. Earlier, you said pipe, so I'm really glad you yes. swapped. <laughs> you, you swapped out like book. You right. swapped book in for pipe because yeah. then it's better. Thank I, you. I don't I'm going to burn down the book. All right. So also, uh, Corrections Department did check in this past week. Uh, the same uh, aforementioned, go back to last week, cooking dinner person is also our Corrections Department. Also, though, may I add, was the source of most of the information for this immigration piece. So there was either some miscommunication there or, well, I think, I think it's because we're talking about fine lines. So please go back to last week's episode where we had an in-depth piece about Brewster Gratterall and the immigration implications of him having not seen his mom for seven years. So we talked about the problems that he would have had or has had of, of probably bringing his mom over here. And I said something like to the fact that he is not a citizen, probably, probably not a citizen yet. I don't know for sure, but that he would need to be one to sponsor his mother. And I and I found out that that, in fact, is not correct that you do you can be a permanent resident to sponsor family member although it makes the process much much longer if you are a permanent resident because uh, also that was another corrections that I said it took a long time to span- sponsor a family member but apparently if you're a citizen and you're sponsoring a your adult citizen you're sponsoring your mom it's going to take a year and a half as opposed to if you're a permanent resident it will take years and years so it's, and actually, I just fucked it up again. Sorry, I'm going to get the corrections department on the corrections department. You do <laughs> need to be a citizen to sponsor a parent. You don't need to be a citizen to sponsor a family member. So that's where, like, the the hairs were split. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But stay tuned. And if anybody else has more immigration corrections or questions, actually, we've got some nice feedback from our friend Tom. So thank you very much. And of course, this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. So any other questions about international players and immigration, please let us know. On today's show, our end-of-the-season boyfriend wrap-up leads right into the playoff picture. We've got heartfelt goodbyes and some see you soons. We've got an emotional support gator, the police blotter, Angel Hernandez is at it again, our international baseball report this week includes peanuts, and the Orioles get to stay at home. Cheers. Cheers. All right. It feels like a lot, but you know what? It, fuck it. It's the end of the season. So if this is a really long episode, folks. Um, just forgive us because it's the end of the season and there's stuff to say. And there's actually even a lot more to say than we're putting in here. So we have to save some, some stuff for next week. Um, we always kick off our shows with our, our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we picked in past off seasons and are soon going to do that again. We each pick one guy per team because we want to have a beer with them or perhaps a lovely maple cider by the fire. Um, our 23 picks, I uh, just wanted to go back on a couple of ours. Clearly, we both have 30, so we're not going to run them all down. But, you know, Corbin Carroll has really been, I think, my most successful pick of the year. 
and he's well on his way to probably Rookie of the Year award, he continues to make us proud. He is the first player in MLB history, not the first rookie, not the first D-back, but the first player in MLB history with over 10 triples, over 25 home runs, and over 50 stolen bases. Do not try to bet on him for Rookie of the Year because the odds are like way, way against your favor at this point, minus 7,000. So everybody else is just, you know, on on that wagon with us. He is the uh, first in runs hits, triples, home runs, and stolen bases among rookies this year. So we would think that that should be pretty good for him. And actually, I should probably click over and figure this out. While while I'm checking on Corbin Carroll, I will also talk about my once and forever boyfriend for the time being. So we're allowed to uh, have one holdover year to year because if we held everybody over, then we would just have nothing to talk about in the offseason. So it's always hard to pick that one guy, but... I've actually stuck with uh, Juan Soto for quite a while. And so the big question, I know that you're all listening, will he get an extension to stay on Team Potty Mouth for the 2024 season? I have not made up my mind yet. You will just have to wait until we get to Padres picks next year. But the Padres are also contemplating the same thing because you might know that the Padres have shelled out shit tons of money for a couple of big long contracts. Uh, Tatis, Manny Machado is like the first one. So are they going to shell it out for Juan Soto? Well, Hector Gomez of ESPN said that he thinks so. He said that there's a very good chance he's going to stay there. We'll see what kind of offer they can put on the table. They sure traded away a shit ton of players in order to get Juan Soto. So the Nationals have Robert Hassel, who's, uh, was he get up to AAA this year? I'm pretty, no, know. or double. I know he's doing well. Jarlin Susana, who's somebody I hadn't heard of. James Wood, also on the on the brink of coming up. C.J. Abrams, who is my baseball boyfriend pick for the Nats this year, had a great season. Mackenzie Gore showing a lot of promise. And then there was that Luke Voigt rental that nobody was really happy about. So that's a lot that the Padres have already given up to get this guy over there. So what are they going to do? Um, in order for him to get held over with the Padres, he has to have the stats for it. And he's had a very good season. So I think the Padres are are help, uh, happy with that. In order for him to get uh, held over for Team Potty Mouth, however, there's a whole different set of, of achievements that he has to show. And I think, you know, there's, there's definitely some promise because one of those things is giving back, right? Doing good things mm-hmm. for the community. He's in this lovely uh, video, which you can find on Nelson Cruz's social media. I'm not sure if it's uh, elsewhere. It's in Spanish. And apparently it's a, a campaign by the Nelson Cruz Foundation that's just wonderful things in the Dominican Republic. And it's Tu Puedes Ser el MVP. So it's, it's reaching out to the kids and saying, basically, stay in school, education important you can be an mvp if you stick with it and then it's got little um clips from all these great dominican players and i feel like juan soto actually had a bigger slightly bigger role than others like had some sentences that he got out there about sticking with it not giving up that he's never given up and he's not going to give up and he you shouldn't give up either um teoscar hernandez was in it Another baseball boyfriend pick of mine in the past, Julio Rodriguez, also another current baseball boyfriend pick, Sandy Alcantara, who cannot be picked by us because he's a pitcher, Christopher Morel, another baseball boyfriend pick that. of mine. So most of them are my, my baseball boyfriends, but of course, the, the who has to get the last word in? Manny Machado. And he doesn't even say much. All he did, I mean, he has a smiley face at the end, and he's the last word that says, tu, tu puedes ser MVP, and smile. So, all right, Manny, thanks for 
putting yourself in there and making me have to talk about you on the show. But I feel yeah. good about that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel good about that. A couple of quick hits for my current uh, slate of boyfriends who are on my fantasy team. The guys with the highest OPS for the last seven days, the last seven days of the season, are Adley with a 1.212 OPS, and he was the only RBI in today's last game of the season versus the Red Sox. But he has the number 20 top-selling jersey this year, and I bought one of those. And Otani, of course, has number one, and... Uh, Potty Mouth Jr. bought one of those. Oh, Junior Potty Mouth. Right. Wait, do it right. Yeah, Junior Potty Mouth bought one of those. So I think we have a lot to do with these top 10. Most of the top 10 are boyfriends, either current or past. Although I super, when we were walking around Camden Yard yesterday, I really noticed the preponderance of Rutschman. I was very impressed for like somebody that hasn't been around that long to have that many shirts in the crowd when there are so many other options. Well, you know, he really, the timing of his call up was when the O's turned around. I don't know if there's, you know, causality there but it was that time and you know the whole thing about they haven't been swept in a series Mm -hmm. since one series prior to when Adley got called up I mean a lot of other new guys are there Um, Adley had you know a year jump on most of them but he's kind of I think he's a good role model for yeah I came in as a rookie and here's how you behave on this team Mm -hmm. so I I, yeah yeah, he's he is very very well loved and very well respected. Miles Straw, my my Cleveland boyfriend this year, had some big ups and downs. His last seven days, 1.359 OPS. He had four straight multi-hit games. 10 of his 20 stolen bases this season were in September. That's crazy. 10. That's a lot in a short period of time. So he finished strong. He had a bunch of stuff in the middle that was not so strong. But um, welcome back, Miles. Yay. Welcome back. So one thing I, I do look for also in um, in baseball boyfriends are, are guys that can be examples to others, right? So I've talked about Miguel Rojas, my pick this year for the Dodgers, clearly not even close to being one of the high-achieving Dodgers in terms of um, stuff on the field right now because there's several of them who are out of, out, you know, just off the charts uh, at this point. But what Miguel Rojas is doing, Miguel Ro, is – mentoring rookies and he took the rookies shopping and the 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 little clip on his instagram is adorable because he's literally going out shopping with a flock of rookies and he brought them shopping for jordans because he likes jordans and he says it's his tradition that he started a couple years ago so this isn't even the first time around so the quotation that got to me i kind of cobbled two together but he said being a, a veteran i always like to take care of the young players hopefully when they become veterans they take care of the rookies as well. So yay, Miggy Rowe, for being a good example and uh, you know achieving in one of those important baseball boyfriend categories, even if it did not help my fantasy team uh, at all. The Marlins clinched a, a, a playoff spot while they were playing in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to talk about that now in this context because a couple of my boyfriends are essential to this. But first, I want to give a big nod to Kim Ang, who's the first female female GM in Major League Baseball history and therefore the first woman GM to bring a team into the postseason. Rock on, Kim. You're wonderful. She says, this team has just exemplified heart 
and they know it. So good. And here's how they know it's a Jess Chisholm. Yeah. Uh, former boyfriend with um, the Marlins says, I feel like we're just the biggest family in the league. I feel like nobody is as connected as us as a team. I feel like when someone gets going, everybody gets going. That's the plan here. We're just family and we're coming in together. And uh -huh. that's what we want for our boyfriends. We want them to be yeah. absolute team players, but get that it's more than just the win. It's winning together as a yeah. team. Jazz Chisholm was five years old the last time the Marlins made the playoffs. Um, they've only made it four times. So here we go. Wow. Uh, Josh Bell, who was my boyfriend at Pittsburgh, okay. has been around yeah. a lot to a couple of other teams, is now with the Marlins. Oh, wow. He had a three RBI game when they clinched versus Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And he said, you know, I kind of felt, felt like this was going to happen while I was playing here. But he was really excited that it happened in that ballpark. So boyfriends, hooray. Um, good luck, Marlins, because this is you, you fought you fought tooth and nail for this. That's pretty cool. My Seattle boyfriend, you know, Seattle got bounced. They didn't make it into the mm -hmm. postseason. Sad. So Cal Raleigh is my boyfriend over there, and he has been very vocal. He was very vocal upon the loss to Houston, which knocked them out of playoff mm -hmm. contention. And I don't mind him saying these things. He's a really important player on that team. He's not like the sexy player, like J-Rod and all that, but he's like, yeah. he is a solid player. He's a really good hitter. He's a team guy, and he says... We have to become a better team, straight up. We've been right at this 90-game mark for a few years now. We've just got to become better. Something's got to change. Mm -hmm. We have to commit to winning. Yeah. We have to commit to going and getting those players. You see other teams going out, going for, and getting big-time pitchers, yeah. getting big-time hitters. We have to do that to keep up. I think we've done a great job of growing some players here within the farm system, but sometimes you have to go out and you have to buy. That's just the name of the game. Yes. So it's kind of brave of him to go out and say that because it's kind of calling ownership a little bit yeah. on the carpet. So we'll see if there's any repercussions for him. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen a couple other players do the same thing right now. And I'm, I'm racking my brain for who else it was besides Kenley Jansen's because Kenley came mm -hmm. out and said that about the Red Sox, which, you know, now they got rid of High and Bloom. So uh, point yeah. taken. But um. But there was another one, and at, at some weird part of this show or the next show, it'll <laughs> uh, just pop it will out come of my to mouth. you. Yeah. So I want to talk. Um, we're we are recording after the conclusion of most of the games on Sunday, which you know, the last day of the regular season. So the wild card picture just firmed up, really kind of moments ago. Yeah. So the wild card round starts on Tuesday. So you'll have the Rangers versus the Rays and the Blue Jays versus the Twins for the American League. You'll have the Marlins and the Phillies, and you'll have the D-backs versus the Brewers in the National League. The seating is a little weird. I'm going to use the American League as an example because it's really quite obvious there. Um, when you go to a tournament and they seed the next round, it's usually straight up mm -hmm win-loss record tells you where you're seated. Clearly, it's not that for, um, in this case, because you have your three divisional winners and the first two get a bye. And yeah. the third one plays the wild card, no matter what their record is. And in this case, the AL Central wasn't that good no. this year. They were behind the AL East most of the season. They were. They were. So what you have is you've got Minnesota as the AL Central winner with 87 wins. That is lower than wow. any wild card team for the 
for the American League. So what what normally happens? So the first two teams get a buy. Yeah. So you've got um, you've got the Orioles getting a buy. You have got um, now you have Houston getting a buy. That just happened moments ago. It was, it was Texas until like ten minutes ago, yeah. and now it's, so those two teams get a buy. They they don't have to participate. So usually, so the third seed is going to play the sixth seed, and then the two in the middle, right? The four plays five. But what you've got is the the person with the the team with the worst record playing That's so the the wild card seed with the worst record, and the two wild card teams with the best record playing each other, and then the winner of that playing the number one seed, which works out on a graph but doesn't work out with numbers. So it's going to be kind of interesting yeah. to see how that's going to that's not how how seeding like, I I get the intent but the outcome right. I think no one could have predicted. So good luck everybody. Can't <laughs> wait to get back and talk to you next week after we see how all of these wild card games turn out and then we'll have seen the yeah. first game or two of of the next round. By the time we talk to you next, wow, it's a you lot of things. You never know. You never know. All right. Um, it's also because it's the last day of the season. It's the last day for some people's baseball experience career. So we just want to give a few nods to a few people who are a little or a lot special. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was my Detroit pick uh, years ago. And is, you know, absolutely an ideal baseball boyfriend type in his actions, both on and off the field. And so he's been doing his farewell tour. Um, I remember Ortiz. I mean, very, very special players get these. David Ortiz had one. Um, uh, Derek Jeter had one. So he's been getting lots of presents. Uh, but this, luckily, he got to wind things up at home in Detroit, which I think makes it even more special. So they gave $24,000, he's number 24, to his foundation and did a crazy drone show uh, at the Tiger Stadium. Both of his parents got to do first pitches and his kids introduced him for his final game, which was just oh. idiot. So definitely go and find and find that clip. He also, um, sort of last minute, ended up, and, and I'm clicking over, I think I would have heard if this had changed, uh, with, yep, 511 uh, career home runs, and so he tied Mel Ott for number 25 all time. It's kind of too bad he couldn't get up to that 24 to make yeah. his own number, but super close. Um, but he's not going far. They, Detroit, are keeping him on as special assistant to the president of baseball operations. And I think that's going to have a lot to do with um, Latin American, especially Venezuelan players, reaching out to, to newbies. Yeah, so Scott Harris, who is the president of baseball operations, says that he, um, Miggy will likely be working with younger players. Mm -hmm. And he commended Miggy on his perseverance and yeah. also his grace. And what Scott says about Miggy is lessons like how you deal with praise and pressure are exactly what we want him teaching players throughout our organization. I'm honored to have him as part of our staff and know he will continue to make the Tigers better in his new role. On Friday, this is what Miggy said uh, to Detroit. He said, I'm here because I love this game. I love the city. I want to say thank you to the city of Detroit and the organization because they gave me a great opportunity to play here and be a part of this family. I'm always going to say thank you. 
That's beautiful. This it's, is, yeah. And one of the things that I loved about Miggy Cabrera as my baseball boyfriend was what a clown he was. And mm. I loved those sort of montages of his goofy, like, tapping the hat off of players kind of moments because he was, and when he picked up Jose Altuve, things like that. He's just <laughs> quite a character. Very few people can probably get away with that and still yeah. feel respectful about the whole situation. Right. I think he got away with a lot. <laughs> All right. Um, another really important guy that's hard, who's hard to say goodbye to, because I feel like he's just been there through so much of my especially like active, loving baseball years is Terry Francona. So just wanted to tip my hat, retiring um, current manager of Cleveland. But I, of course, am going to reflect on his Red Sox years and that magical 2004 winning it after the curse and you just can't compare to that and just having that moment and then he did it again in 07 so we owe him a lot uh, in in red sox nation um there are a couple of of special times there too and he had an amazing relationship with the young young john lester when he was pitching for the red sox and he went through cancer treatment and francona was in the hospital with him he was like a, a third parent and when lester came back and pitched and threw a no-hitter. The scene of Terry coming out to congratulate it afterwards, it is, it's a father-son thing. Like, and it just goes, the hug goes on and on and the, the rustling the hair and just absolutely beautiful. So for that, him to know, you know, just how much relationships are important yeah. and respect. And yep. I think that's a lot of what I've heard in, in people reflecting on Francona is just the way he could read the room, the way he, he could relate to players. And that is so important. And not only that, He's a role model. So there are four, well, three at this point. But when I started taking notes, there were four current managers who played on the Red Sox under Francona and were basically, you know, tutored or, or, or helped to reach manager level. And that's uh, Kevin Cash, who was on the 07, the World Series 07 team in 08. Alex Cora, who was also on the old 07 World Series team. He was there from 05 to 08. Rocco Baldelli, who I forgot was there for just his final year of his career in 09, but a key time for him to be thinking about what are the next steps. And then Gabe Kapler, who I'll be talking about a little bit more, who was there for the, the huge 04 team. He was there from the middle of 03 to 06. Um, so for him to just be able, I mean, that's a lot of people to play under a manager and then become managers themselves. Yeah. I wonder if there's, is that's, there that's a That's some mentoring. That? There's, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. The, the sad end is that I think, I don't remember when it was. Was it last year, year before we talked about when his scooter was stolen because hmm. he was like known for riding into the ballpark on the scooter? His scooter was just stolen last week, like his last week of his managership. That's not right. It's not. And he, it, it was found beat up and literally shit on. I don't he, know why we're saying this <laughs> yes, out loud. Sorry, there's sorry. no need for this. Well, that's what the, that's what Terry said. That's, that was the part that that bothered him the most was yeah. that they and he yeah. used a different word. Yeah, he lives close enough to the ballpark that he'd probably walk if he was healthy enough to like do, do oh, the walking. But that's why he has the scooter. Him. So a little more context, a little um, broader context context because it wasn't just the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, Tito won 1,948 games over 23 years managing. He managed the Phillies, the Red Sox, and Cleveland. He, In addition to the two World Series, he won with Boston. He took Cleveland to the World Series in 2016, and he was the three-time manager of the year wow. in Cleveland. And as Potty Mup alluded to, what he is known for, his managing style, is treating all of his players with respect, yeah. making them all feel important, talking to them and relating to them. He really made that effort to get to know them on a different level. So Wednesday was his last home game. 
He never actually announced retirement in a, a in a like a press conference or anything. Everyone just sort of knew this was it. Yeah. The giveaway that day were T-shirts that said "Thank you, Tito." Yeah. So the whole whole ballpark was wearing them. And Tito says the most frustrating part of today is I can't wear the T-shirt because it's me. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice T-shirt. I love when we get free stuff, but I can't wear it. That's He's funny. also a goofball. So. A lot of the things that I read, here's his record, here's why he was great, but also here are all the hilarious, fun, warm things that he did. He said, I've had a really good time living through it. I've probably had more fun (laughs) than you're supposed to. Uh, I don't know. I hope he's had like the right amount of fun. Well, he said he can't even change his mind now, now that they passed out those damn t-shirts. Right. That's that's what I was just thinking. He's clearly destined for the Hall of Fame, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame manager. Absolutely. And we got to get to one of those like actual Hall of Fame Mm. ceremony things for somebody special. Like he would be perfect. He would be perfect. see what happens with that. So the the ish, the four ish um, managers that came from the Red Sox that became managers included Gabe Kapler, who was just axed yesterday by the Giants, and and they replaced him immediately. I don't know quite how that happened. If it was just okay, I don't want to finish out the season, or you're just done as of today. Do you know? I think it was you're just done as of today. So they had a an interim. Um, Kai Correa came in as an interim. Yeah. For the oh, last couple of quick games. fun fact. Mm-hmm. When uh, so Giants played the Dodgers, and so mm-hmm. Kai played uh, uh, um, Dave, Dave Roberts. Roberts, and it was the first time that two managers of Asian descent played each other in any of the four major men's leagues. They both have really fascinating mixed descent. Like if you look at both of them and and parents mm-hmm. and grandparents, there's there's a lot of ethnicities represented. So, yay for diversity in our sport. Um, so. He was axed because, well, you know, the Giants didn't have a very good year this year or last year. But in 2000, he, so he's been there since 20, a hard time to start to begin yeah. with. He had, he brought, he, he brought them up to 107 wins in 2021 and got NL Manager of the Year that year. And then since then, the next two years have tanked a bit, 81 wins in 22. And at this point, I don't know how they did today, but they were at 79 yesterday. So when, a team tanks like that, I don't know. It's hard. Is two years enough? Did they do the right thing? And who do you blame? Is it the, and in this case, it's the same as the Red Sox, the title is president of baseball operations, um, Zaidi, is it Zaidi? Zaidi. I, I should have like actually listened to his name. Is it is it that person's fault for not bringing in the talent? Or is it the manager's fault for not managing the talent? So the Red Sox went the other way and got rid of Haim Bloom and kept Alex Cora. And so the Giants are going this way and get rid of, getting rid of Kapler and keeping Zaidi, who's promising to make some big changes in the, in the offseason. I've seen um, definitely some mixed reaction it seems like Kapler had a very love-hate relationship both with certain players and with fans because he was um the new you know high-tech analytics kind of guy and some people don't adapt well to that kind of that kind of change and especially after they had Bruce Bochy for so many years who was so successful it's a it's a big switch um Respect to him, though, for his social stances. So I I definitely want to put a focus on that because we definitely, you know, I I don't want to dredge it up too much, but he had some lower times when he was in the Dodgers organization making some poor decisions. However, 
once he was with the the Giants, he was the first manager to kneel with the on the anthem in the Black Lives Matter protests at the time during the pandemic. He completely skipped the anthem. He stayed in the dugout in 2022 after the Evaldi shooting. So for him to actually be willing and not in baseball, not many folks did stuff like that. For, so for him to put himself out there, granted he's in San Francisco, so it's a pretty good um, environment for that. But super respect um, from from you know our podcast values. He also was super active this past, at least this past year, with an organization called Pipeline for Change. And I saw their panel that they did with Brian Ruby on LGBTQ issues. They also did panels on mental health, disability inclusion, and they just recently did one for Hispanic Heritage Month. And the lovely thing about them all is he's on there. So he's not just like sponsoring or putting his name on Pipeline for Change, but he was actually moderating panels or participating in some way, introducing them. So I, I don't know. I really um, I think that's rare, especially mm -hmm. in management. I yep. mean, it's hard enough for a player to be politically outspoken or socially, whatever you want to box this. But for a manager to do that, I super, super admire it. Now that he is um, not going to be managing any, anymore, there is only one remaining Jewish manager, which I did not know, Bob Melvin, who, and who knows how long he'll be around from the Padres, is also Jewish. I have no doubt in my mind that someone's going to pick up Gabe. There's, so, there's so. at least four, if not more, teams yeah. that are going to be shuffling managers around, and I have a feeling he's going to get picked up very quickly, so he will be back very soon. I hope so. I hope so. There's there was one other thing that I just wanted to pick in. So I when I was looking into I, I read some article and shoot, I think it was a Jewish week about him, which was ve it was like Jewish manager flat fired, like very much putting it out there. Pointed. Now, yeah, this well, this is like the their paper, our people. But they said that well, that's he, not why he was fired. Right, right. right. Okay. No, absolutely not <laughs> right. why he was fired. Okay. Just sort of it was more identifying him right. than, than blaming it in any way. It was just saying, Thank like, you. look, we had a Jewish that. manager and he got fired. But they, they alluded to the fact that he has two Jewish tattoos, which is an oxymoron, because Jews are not supposed to get tattooed. That's like supposed to be like, if you're tattooed, you're not supposed to be allowed in a Jewish cemetery. Now, with so I many, did not know that. Yeah, with so many tattooed people and lasers, and you know, there's definitely more reform areas than others, I'm sure you can find some sort of Jewish cemetery to get into. But he has a Jewish star on one leg and never again as a Holocaust callback on the other. So just the fact that he would have Jewish tattoos is I, I very much appreciate that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That and he's also very fit. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, this just happened. Oh no. I'm gonna break in. No, that's okay. This is good. Okay. This is good. So for the first time, uh, so Areas just captured the back-to-back -back yeah. batting titles. Right. And he um I guess it's the first person to do it in two different leagues back to back, yeah. which is pretty amazing. 26-year-old. Yep. Only a second player in the modern era to capture a batting title in both leagues, uh, joining DJ LeMayhew and the first to do so in back-to-back -back season. So second yep. player. Yep. So that's pretty that cool. That was a past pick of mine, currently on the Marlins, Luis Arraez, yep. yep. also Venezuelan. Hey, we're going to talk about Brooks Robinson. Brooks mm. Robinson died at the age of 86 this past Tuesday. The short answer is Brooks had won 16 gold gloves in a row was this all-star 18 times. He was the most valuable player in 1964 and a, and a top four vote getter for four other seasons. He has the record for the most games, 10, where he drove in the only run in a 
1-0 victory. And of course, everyone is finding a lot of meaning in that same day where he passed away. The O's mm-hmm. won one to nothing on a, a home run versus, by, by Gunnar Henderson versus the Nats. When Brooks Robinson retired in 1977, one of the people toasting him said, in New York, they named a candy bar, the Reggie Bar, after Reggie Jackson. Here in Baltimore, we name our children <laughs> after Brooks Robinson. And I think a real testament to the kind of life he led is that every single article about his passing spends 10 seconds on here are his stats and paragraphs or pages on his character and what a good man he was and what a good community leader he was and what a role model he was. And they use words like moral compass to describe him. So it's really, it gets gets to me. So second week in a row, I am going to quote from a a piece in the Washington Post. Last time it was saying goodbye to Sean Doolittle upon his retirement. This time it's Tom Boswell, who's a longtime sports journalist with the Washington Post, who talked about how um, Jim Palmer, a big very close with with Brooks Robinson, who was really Uh, torn up upon his passing, said that a lot of young players look for one veteran as a a personal and professional model of behavior. And he said he and Cal Ripken, for instance, chose Brooks Robinson. And younger people, um, especially, you know, in the Orioles organization, he says, think they're modeling their best self on Ripken, and they are, but there's a lot of Brooks in Cal, so this is, is showing from like generation to generation of ballplayers how you have that role model. Passing that, the torch. That's right, passing that torch. He talked about, Boswell talked about like the Orioles way, and he said that way is an unpretentious method of acting toward others, a way of giving back to the community as much as a way of hitting the cutoff band. <laughs> he said nice. that Brooks Robinson made the best play you've ever seen dozens of times a season. <laughs> And he closes by saying, we have too few compasses for character that are still set accurately. Every time we think of Brooks Robinson, remember, that's true north. I was really impressed at the the O's reaction when we were there yesterday because there was a big number five up on the building, there was a five on the field, and then of course the the scene around his statue where they had it very well organized so that you could take turns and they would take your they would take your phone and take your picture of you with the statue with all the flowers and memorabilia around it. And all the players also had number five patches mm-hmm. on their uniforms, so it it was very meaningful. It was yeah. It was, yeah. Well done, O's. So on the same, sadly, on the same thread, right before we started recording, while we were watching the very last O's uh, Red Sox game of the season, we found out that Tim Wakefield died today at age 57 of brain cancer. And and this, it's so many people are reacting. I know there's, you've probably seen way more reactions than, than we have at this point because I open my phone and it's just like post after post of anybody associated with the Red Sox. Wakefield was so important for so many years, for so many reasons for the Red Sox. Um, what, what's a little bit shitty, and I, you know, I heard last week the reports that um, that Schilling on his podcast had had basically discussed this without Wakefield's permission. And it was unclear at that time how advanced it was. It was just clear that that Kurt Schilling had done a really shitty and yet another really shitty thing. It's a long, um, long line. It's so sad that and he also and very important for 2004. But damn it. Why does he have to be such an asshole? Um, so we didn't bring it up last week. Uh, but I, you know, like anybody else, we had I had no idea that it was sort of this imminent. So there's going to be a lot of tributes to him. He was a huge part of the Red Sox in the 2000s. Uh, 17 out of his 19 seasons playing, 
19 seasons as a pitcher were with the Red Sox from 1995 to 2011. So that clearly includes two of the World Series. And he was huge in, in especially in 2004, but, you know, known for the, 2000, the 2003 postseason was a very painful one for the Red Sox where they went to the Game 7 in the ACLS against the Yankees. And Wakefield was the one who gave up the 11th inning home run to Aaron fucking Boone. Um, however, instead of crawling under a rock, he came back and next year was basically willing to do anything, including up eating up a bunch of innings in game three of the ACLS against the Yankees and then going on, you know, to, to come back in a historic way where the Red Sox won the next four games and then on to the World Series. I feel like the... The best, I don't know, the best um, summary of his life, which I had seen before before all this, the movie Knuckleball is really lovely. It goes back and forth with him and R.A. Dickey. They were both uh, pitching, I believe, actively at the time the movie was made. But it really goes into the art of the knuckleball and how, you know, it's it's hard to come by. And, man, when it was a Wakefield day, like the, the, the quote that we just heard on the broadcast was that you knew it was going to be a two hour and 10 minute game, whichever way it went. Like, it That's right. gonna we're going to get this done. We're going to go one way or the other. But it, it, it like, you know, you got up very, very nervous, high anxiety with that knuckleball because if it was on, it was great. And if it wasn't and Jason Veritek, who is, you know, the main catcher at that time, could not catch him. So there always had to be somebody, Doug Mirabelli for a lot of years, somebody had to be brought in to catch Wakefield because, oh my God, you don't know where that pitch is going. But it also um, led to his longevity. I mean, his arm, you know, you're not going to blow out your arm. You're not going to have 12 Tommy John surgeries if you're throwing a knuckleball. So I don't know. I'm, I just want to lift my glass definitely to Tim Wakefield. Thank you for so many important years and important memories. And uh, Red Sox Nation is, is going to be all over this. And boy, are we going to take a swing in topics. Oh, shit. I'm still going. Oh, fuck. Yes, this is all right. All the way to the other side of comedy. Put down the glass. I get a text this week from my kid's friend and this is exactly what the text said the text said did you see that they didn't let that alligator watch baseball <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what alligator and the kid and how wrote, can you stop them really right, right right i wrote what alligator and and she wrote back something like the one that the phillies didn't let in and i said could you please send me a link and so she sent me a link and so of course i went on the big dive i'm sure that you've all seen that an emotional support alligator was not let into the Philly Stadium, into the bank, this past um, Wednesday, the 20th of, of September. The fan, Joey Henney, has his eight-year-old emotional support alligator named Wally, who is on like a leash and a harness, and he was not um, allowed entry into the bank. Now, I saw some articles where uh, Joey said, I wish the media had come to us before printing stuff. Oh, no, it wasn't articles. It was on his Instagram feed that he said he wished the media had gone to us before printing anything, but then didn't say anything else. And so I wrote to him and he didn't write back to me. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, dude, you didn't read like the, the if you read the Phillies regulations, it says emotional support dogs are allowed. And, it, and in letters, it says no other animals. And so nobody reads anything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much it's in their policy. Whether now it does seem, though, that Wally is a certified 
um, emotional support animal. Does he have a vest to prove it? He does. All right. He, he has we'll a see. little red vest. He has a little tag. He is certified. Um, from what I could tell, uh, the the owner, Joey Henney, it seems like is also battling some sort of cancer. I don't think that the go- there's a GoFundMe that you can find if you go onto their socials. And of course, Wally's um, social media, Wally the Alligator, is doing very well on social media. Maybe that's why he didn't he didn't answer me, because maybe he's being inundated by questions about what's happening with the alligator. Um, so the Wally has been a, a popular celebrity. He's, he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. He's a little alligator celebrity for many years. He has been going around to festivals and parades, and he actually had an appearance at the fairy festival that we used to go to when my kid was very young. And they had like this little corner of the festival with weird animals that you could hold, like a tarantula or a snake. And of course, my kid was all over that. So like hands full of tarantulas and snakes. And now... Wally the alligator actually gives hugs. So there were lots of pictures of people hugging the alligator. So clearly not a threat. Is there clearly... like a muzzle or something to no. hold those giant powerful jaws? No, shut the alligator and... is about five feet long and he's leashed and he's on a harness, but the harness doesn't go around but his mouth. But all the teeth, there's yeah, so, so many, many teeth. teeth. No, no, he looks very cuddly. Um, he was a quarter finalist in 2022 for America's Favorite Pet, beaten out by a bunch of dogs. So I don't know where that where that is. But he also made, despite the fact of not being a people or a person, he was in People magazine right between the Queen of England and Ozzy Osbourne, which seems like a really appropriate place for an alligator it's to be. It's a dangerous place with Ozzy there. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, you can check out the GoFundMe. The last it was updated was uh, November of 22 with the owner's last radiation treatment. And there wasn't much more explanation, but I'm guessing that's why he needs a uh, emotional support animal. So of course he should have one. And if he likes alligators and this one's working out, I have no qualms about that. I have so many questions. I, Joey, please, please write yeah, back please. to Potty Mouth because I am bursting at the seams with right. questions about this whole situation. Right. I just feel like, you know, as far as being denied entrance into a baseball stadium, if the if the policy says only emotional support dogs, no other animals are allowed. Like if you had an emotional support chicken or rabbit or ferret or whatever, those wouldn't have gotten in either. It's not just because it's a five foot alligator. Right. Yeah. I want to hear more because otherwise I just think it's a publicity stunt and I want to know that it's deeper than that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Well, there have been some comparisons to apparently in, in 1945, a goat was denied entry uh, to the Cubs, and it was since then the curse, of, and then the owner actually put the curse on the Cubs, and you all know that they didn't win a World Series from, you know, before then, but until 2016. So I did the math, you'll be happy to know. So that means that the Phillies are due to win the World Series in 2094. So they shouldn't even bother with the whole wild card right. thing, because <laughs> right, they're, right, yeah, right. No, If they win this year, you know, then the alligator curse just is no good. So you know who shouldn't bother with baseball, really? And not me, right? Angel frickin' oh, Hernandez, our, our, our police Speaking blotter the Phillies. this week. Yeah. yeah. So every time I go to a game and they announce the umpires, I always send a thank you when I don't recognize any of the names because mm-hmm. they are, in fact, unsung heroes. When they're doing their jobs, we don't know who they are. Right. And so thank you for being okay with that because the people whose names we know, like Angel Hernandez, are there because they've done Horrible, horrible things. And this, the current horrible thing, Mm -hmm. he has a long list. It's not hard to find the list. On Thursday night, he called Bryce Harper out 
on a check swing. And if you look at the check swing, it's not even close. No. It's not even close. Not so Bryce, all. of course, argued and Angel tossed him. And now fans are calling for Angel's jobs because this is like, just is piling on. Yeah. This is on top of more and more and more things. The broadcasters, when you play this clip, say, that's terrible. He must have just been guessing because there's no way he could have seen that, what we all can see Crazy. and think it's a swing. So he clearly, did you blink and miss right. it? What is it? But he's got the courage of his convictions, man. So as Bryce is leaving after he rushes Angel and yells at him and then gets pulled away. Yeah. And thrown out, right? He, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was, eject, he was ejected before he approached Angel. He yeah. started yelling at him. Angel threw him out when he was still... 10, 15 feet away. And Bryce said, okay, fine. And just kept going up there. Got a lot of feelings out of his system. And as he walked back towards his dugout to leave the yeah. game, he tossed his batting helmet into the stands. Well, 10-year-old Hayden Dorfman ended up with it. He's I think he, um, he said a I lot of dads had their hands and they're trying to like, get this. But he, somehow Hayden ended up with the helmet. So he was wearing it. And then security came and said, hey, we need that just for a little while because Bryce would like to sign that. For you. So they took it away. Bryce autographed it and gave it back to him. And then Harper said, he said, I kind of got all of it out. Like he means like when he was yelling at Angel. So by the time he turned around, he said, I just threw my helmet in the stands because I didn't need it anymore. Right? He was done with the game. Right? I said, got the kid, ended up signing it for him, and he was super happy. It was good. (laughs) He also said later that I'm going to end up with a fine for being right yet again. Yep. Yet again. Uh, this goes to the long-standing conversation about how are umpires graded or are there no consequences for making a whole series of bad calls? Clearly, we have the technology. There's lots of social media you can follow that shows you oh, the yeah. percentage of good calls and bad calls that a particular umpire is making. There's there's a grading system that's very easy to do. There don't seem to be any repercussions. I mean, you're not going to get called to to officiate a playoff game unless you're well-known as being, but, but you're not necessarily going to get sent down or ejected yourself for egregious bad calls over and over and over again. Right. We should be like the KBO and send them down. That's right. That's send right. I think that's fantastic. It's like, okay, it's just like a player. If you are not performing at the level we need you to, go down a level and practice sure. and get better and then come back. Sure. All right, speaking of how other countries do things, today was the last day of Euro Baseball Championship, and I have a little bit of my own corrections department. I think I alluded to like a really long time since the – yeah, I left a little bit of this is the end of our – oh, what are we drinking? What are we drinking now? Let's pull it up. We are drinking two-story chimney over the falls, red wine barrel-aged dry cider. So it's a different dry cider, different barrel-aged cider from a whole different – Cidery. Yeah, and after all that maple, I like this because it's like a little dry to like yep. clean things up. Well selected. You do well good done. work. All right. So back to Europe. Um, I, I sort we? of – <laughs> that would be so nice. I think last week I said that it was a little bit random when the last um, actual European championship was, and that's not at all true. Well, sort of. I mean, it started in 1954, and then for a while it was annually, and then it went to – Every two or three years, and that part does seem to be just a little bit random. And there's, there's a lot like of ish in this, and, in this yeah, whole description. There's ish. definitely a lot of ish, but there definitely have been more in the recent years than I had thought. It's definitely – it hasn't gone longer than every two or three years, but not exactly sure how it changes back from two to three or three to two. Um, today, 
Spain took the gold medal over Great Britain decisively, 11 to 2, and it was Spain's first gold medal since the second year of the tournament in 1955. Apparently, since then, Italy and the Netherlands have just gone back and forth. Well, not really back and forth, kind of in clumps, but they've won all the gold medals except for one random year with Belgium, that Belgium. Um, and so for Spain to come back this year and Great Britain also to make a really good showing is admirable. And it just shows, of course, you know, the game growing. Uh, the bronze went to the Netherlands that beat Germany 5-4 to four in the bottom of the 10th with a two-run home run after Germany had gone ahead in the top. So Germany was fighting all the way, but ended up with four place, fourth place. So it started with um, four groups and four teams each. So there were 16 all together. And through the process, you can they re-ranked everybody. So they actually gave everybody a place for the playoff teams is what it came out down to. Um, I had mentioned last week that Mr. Potty Mouth was a little uh, uh, questioning why Israel was in there. And geographically, that doesn't make a lot of sense why they were in the European championship. But, you know, with the spirit, I found it kind of interesting that they were put in the same group with Germany and they came in just behind them. But I was kind of thinking, like, is that a good thing? Is that just like we're peacemaking and everything's okay? Or was that just a little weird? Yeah, again with the ish. It's yeah. like, were we paying attention when we took care of this or not? I don't know. I think they I just know. went by the numbers and that's how it came out. Periodically, we give you a little business news as mm. it re relates to baseball. And I will say there is a new contender for the position of intern with no crying in <laughs> oh baseball my. because I received this lead for an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. It was something that I never read. So it was really a good call to weigh this in front of me. The American Peanut Council is apparently trying to hook baseball fans in Japan by doing promotions at ballparks. They want to increase their exports to Japan sure. of peanuts and peanut products. And they have faced an, sort of an unexpected wrinkle in how these promotions are like, hey, we're, you know, we're promoting it. It's, a tip, it's, a, like, it's an all-American baseball mm -hmm. tradition. We had them yesterday mm -hmm. at, at Camden Yards. It's also a good source of protein. So there's like this like health thing. There's a lot yeah. going on there. The fans in Japan, however, didn't like the idea of shelling the peanuts and dropping the shells <laughs> to the ground because that's littering. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday said, as we were eating pita. There's just they are just not comfortable littering. Yeah. Like as a society, I'm like yeah. okay, I don't feel like I'm littering when it's something biodegradable. Although mm -hmm. having um, parented interns at the Thunderbolts games who have to sweep up all the peanut shells. I know it's certainly irritating to those who have to clean up, but eh, the whole littering thing is like, okay, yeah, Americans are fine with it, which mm -hmm. I, I, apparently a lot of Americans are. So the American Peanut Council has tried to, they're trying to, to like package shelled peanuts. Oh, and then, that's not as fun. It's not as fun, but it is more appropriate for mm -hmm. people who don't want to drop right. shells on the ground. And also, apparently, the seats in those ballparks are more narrow. So it was pointed um, out that having to use two hands to shell peanuts mm. is not really tenable. So also, and the last thing that I read was, and the Japanese fans aren't excited about, like, you know, con the concession, the, the, the peanut sellers tossing the bags of peanuts, which is part of the game. Yeah. They just, so they kind of hand them over in a very gentle way. So 
completely excited all in fans for the mm-hmm. game of baseball not so, not much, so much for those for like peanuts. for the peanut thing that we we tend to like here in in the United States yeah I was wondering if there could be like an extra marketing opportunity with it like to get the team peanut shell holder that you buy to go with your peanuts and like, sure. I, like I was thinking that yesterday I was kind of thinking am I supposed yeah I'm supposed to be doing this like you you're just, supposed to be doing that yeah yeah, yeah but the, I don't know Merchandising. Get the merchandise. Look at you work with the whole business <laughs> right. aspect of this. You right. are surprising all the time. Right. But then there's the whole allergy issue, and there's so many peanut allergies around. It's true. And like, yeah, if you're shelling peanuts all over the place, oi. Oi. I don't know. All right. So for for any of you out there whose team has been eliminated like mine has, don't you worry. Winter ball is coming, and stay tuned to No Crying in Baseball because we will take you through the winter with baseball. Um, paying special attention to Lidam, the Dominican League, because you can get it on your MLB TV. I, I hope that's still true. I think it's still true. It's starting October 19th. So that's mighty soon. And I was excited to see my 22 baseball boyfriend pick from the White Sox, Leori Garcia, is uh, going to be playing from the get-go with Gigantes de Cibao. So that is not my team is Leones del Escogido, but, you know, I'm okay with the Gigantes. So I'll be paying attention to Leori, and I will be letting you all know any other, like, you know, names that jump out of and, people who are going to be playing in the Dominican Republic and, and other places. And there will be a lot. You, yeah. A lot of players play winter ball mm-hmm. to stay in shape, to get more at-bats, especially the younger players yeah. who need the experience. So you will recognize players from MLB on all of these teams. Yeah. I said Daniel Palka posted something like all right here i go to winter ball but didn't say where so now i gotta look him up and yeah see yeah for sure for up. sure one more uh, business related thing oriole park at camden yards has they just announced uh, actually the night they they clinched the the al east division yeah. to add a little bit more uh frosting to the cake of winning <laughs> the division was that they announced a 30 year 30 year lease wow. extension with the state of maryland and the maryland stadium authority it turns out it's actually a memorandum of understanding. The yeah. actual agreement, the deal, will need to be signed by the end of the year. So they're okay. still working around some of the the details. It hasn't been signed, 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 but everybody's all in. Anything you read by the mayor of Baltimore yeah. or the governor of Maryland or the, or the ownership of the Orioles, it's all, this is a done deal. We're there. It's all good. The only changes that, I've, that have been announced so far is that the um, – the operations and the maintenance are moving from the stadium authority to the O's ownership, which is interesting to me. And there's some land around Oriole Park, including the uh, the warehouse and, and some other okay. land that might be open to some private investments. So economic development, which would be, again, it would be new jobs. Yeah. It would be, you know, again, building up the liveliness of the neighborhood, which is getting livelier all the time. You would see checker spot right. above. But there's a lot of potential there to make improvements and make it a better place, even though it's already kind of considered one of the standards, but it's been there for a long time now. So it needs some updating. And I'm, ha- I'm happy to see like 30 years, if, especially because there was so much going on with the ownership where people were like, are, are we going to get to keep the Orioles? Yeah. But everybody is really invested. Everybody at the state level and the city level and all of that really. And, and even the commissioner of baseball, a lot of levels invested in keeping baseball in Baltimore in this year is certainly going to help with that. Yeah, the timing is crazy good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
This is not the last time we're going to give you the results of our of our fantasy <laughs> league. We're going to we're going to save that for next week to give you the big winners because we always get these results at the very beginning of a Sunday. So I just want to give you one more time of that. I don't know how much things could change, but let me give you the full <laughs> rundown. A bono's boyfriend remains at number one, although is under two hundred points. So maybe oh, wow. one when you know today's stats come in, it'll be back over two hundred. I'm curious. Oh, Contreras, don't peek, don't spoil. No okay, spoilers. I'm not, I'm not no spoilers. Number two is Uncle Treras. Number three, my team is hurt ace suck. Number four, Razzle Dazzle. Number five, Wicked Awesome Team took over from the kids. Again, they've been going back and forth. The kids are number six. We'll see if that holds. Potty Mouth Posse is tied with the Short Kings for number seven, which push, okay. yeah, which pushes at least the defense is good to number nine. I'm still holding on by the skin of my teeth to the number 10 slot with the um, the Sunny Slammers at 11 and the Butterfingers at 12. We'll give you the final final next week and we will announce the sending of the very um, popular prize right. package to the winner. Especially curated and no crying in baseball prize package. For sure, for sure. Um wow. So are uh, this week, I mean I'm gonna be watching some wild card games to see what's in store for our next weekend. Yeah, I mean I you gotta watch the baseball playoffs. I mean once it starts, um I gotta hook up my calendar and make sure that I catch as much baseball as possible. Because how can you not watch championship baseball? You can't not. And if you're going to hop on the bandwagon with me, which I hope you do, I mean, there's some opportunities there for sure. Yeah, I even have a shirt or two I could wear. Wow, really? Yeah. Would you right, do that? The, those, sure, I mean, yeah, in, in the comfort of our own home. Sure. I okay. Will. All right. <laughs> Although we could, we should go to a bar sometime too. Like when, when it gets to like Big fun times. We should go to like a big sports bar. I, I, wow. Go out in public and everything. Sure. This is so exciting. It's like we never drink in the, oh, wait. Yeah, we do. Right, right, right. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Hello, friends. If you have things to say about how your team season turned out, let us know if there's more for the corrections department. Specifically, let Potty Mouth know because, you know, I don't really, no, I do. I I care. I care deeply. Yeah. How can people find us, Potty Mouth? You can reach out to us on X, formerly known as Twitter. At NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying in B-Ball. You can throw us a little bit of money at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying in B-Ball. And we will very much appreciate it because we are on a shoestring budget hanging on by the skin of our teeth. And every like dollar a month is really appreciated by our Patreon listeners. And actually, um, while I'm at it. Uh, leave us definitely leave us some new reviews. I was looking at our reviews, which are lovely actually, and and wherever people leave reviews, but they're old. So if all of our like current good friends, we know who you are, just hop on wherever you listen to your podcast and leave just a happy review that says 2023. That would be great. And please remember, you know we'll be here during the postseason, but we're here all year round because yeah. the off season is when we bring you the profiles of the boyfriends for next year. Where we'll each pick a guy from every team in the off season. And that's where you'll get more of the backstory, more in-depth narrative about who these players are and where they come from and why we think they rate as boyfriends. So we hope you'll stick with us in the off season. Please get your boosters. They're available. You can get them right alongside your flu shot. We need you to send your game balls to Meredith. We need you to fight the man because it's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.
Potty Mouth, you've had a long weekend. I'm going to take care of this for you, okay? Okay. Thanks, Hindenburg. <laughs> 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 That's a little conversation that we have. A little bit.